0: Father, I thank you for the powerful name of Jesus, the name that has the ability to change lives, the name that is above every other name, the name that rules kingdoms here on earth and in heaven. God, the name of Jesus Christ, our King. He is King, He is Lord, He is Savior, He is Redeemer. God, He is the lover of our souls. And God, we just say thank you today for that name, that name that was given to us, that was given to us as a ransom for us, God, in our sin and our rebellion against you, Lord. You gave us your son, your one and only son, God, for the purposes of sacrificing him for all of us. And God, we just say thank you. We praise your name, God, for that beautiful name of Jesus. God, be glorified now as we look at what you have to say to us in your word. Today we will open up your word, God, and you will speak. That the word that we breathe, that we read today is breathed by you. That, God, you have put these words on the page, God, for us. And we just, we say thank you for that. And we know that your Holy Spirit will use these words to change our lives. So, Lord, we just say thank you for showing us who you are through your word. Now, that's what this book teaches us. It teaches us more about who you are. So, God, we just want to know you more deeply, and more intimately right now as we open your word and look at what you have to say to us. Father, receive glory. Receive glory, God, from us getting close to you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So today I'm struggling a little bit. I've had some allergy issues the past 24 hours. And I am chock full of antihistamines. And I am dry as a bone, let me tell you right now. Today we're going to be looking at one of the Psalms. In particular, we'll be looking at Psalm 107, um, and I just—I—I—I I, I was telling somebody before the service today how this—I mean, like it is so rich and so deep, and there's so much here, and I, I, there's no way that I'll be able to get everything out that God was was just showing me through this word, and I—I I was just overwhelmed by it. Um, we see in Psalm 107. You know, I know a lot of the Psalms are written by David, but this particular one seems to be written by somebody else. It appears to be after the Babylonian exile. So what happened? So the people of Israel, the, the, the chosen people of Israel through which God said, a Savior will come through you people, I have made a covenant with you people, you're going to be my people so long as, so long as I am your God and, and you will be my people, and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you. Uh, I'm going to give you a land to dwell in, and he makes all these promises and makes a covenant with his people, right? Well, the problem is the people of Israel do what we all do, and they rebel against God to say, I I hear you, Lord, and I know that you're God, and I, I get all that, but I'm going to do things my own way, and they begin to worship other gods they begin to take things into their own hands, and they forget about the one true God, Yahweh, who has redeemed them, made a covenant with them, saved them, and... They do their own thing. Well, the prophets come along and say, hey, if you continue to do that, if you continue to rebel against God, something bad is going to happen. Devastation is going to come to your land. You're going to be kicked out of your own land that God has promised to you. If you don't straighten up, if you don't get your act together, this is what's going to happen. Well, obviously the people, they did not listen. They continue to rebel against God, go their own way. And what happens is that they're taken into exile. Uh, The Babylonians come in and capture them and take them away from the place that they're uh, of their homeland, and they have to dwell there in their enemy's land in captivity for a long time. And then eventually, God releases them back to their homeland. They go back to Jerusalem. They have to rebuild the walls, which we read about in Nehemiah. They rebuild the temple, which we, rebuilt, which we read about in Ezra. So that's where those books come from. Here, it looks like they are on their uh, return journey back to Jerusalem. That God has set them free from their captives, and now they are just praising God, pouring out their praise on the Lord for what He has done, and the fact that He is their Redeemer, that He has saved them, and He has set them free from their captivity, and that's the place that they're in right now. So they're just praising God for what He has done and who He is, how wonderful the Lord is. I think as Christians, we've got to be like this we got to sing praises of worship to God for who He is. Just the fact that He is the wonderful God of the universe who loves us so intimately and cares about us so deeply. And people that don't praise Him like that, I wonder, Like, how could you even know God if you don't praise Him and worship Him like that? I mean, how, how could you look at who God is and, and especially look at your own life? You know, how jacked up you were and the way you used to be. And then how God intervened in your life as he rescued your soul from death to life in the person that you are now. And yes, you're not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I get that. Like you're still, you're still a work in progress. Believe me, I'm still a work in progress. But in the eyes of God, you're perfect through his son, Jesus Christ. You have, because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you and is a comforter to you. And continues to show you the way in which you should do things to be less like yourself and more like Christ. And God has done all this. And how can we not praise Him and worship Him for rescuing us like that? Rescuing us from ourselves. You see, the people of Israel, they weren't just rescued from their enemies. Their biggest problem was not their enemies and the Babylonians taking them into captivity. That was not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is that they had rebelled against God. That they were choosing their own way and not God's way. That was their biggest problem. And here these people start to recognize who God is. And they're starting to look At the picture of the wonder and the might of God. And they are just blown away. And you hear the psalmist record this. Psalm 107 verse 1 says this. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He's good. Oh my gosh, thank goodness he's good, right? He is good. Now listen, when they're taken into captivity, I want you to know something. God's still good. When they're released from captivity, God's still good. When you have cancer, God's still good. When when, when you get a good report from the doctor and says you're in remission, God is good. God's good. But when you don't feel like coming to church, you come to church anyway, God's good. When you come all fired up and ready to praise and worship Him, and you come in here and you lift your hands and worship, and you praise God, God's good. God's always good. And look at what it says in the next verse. It says, it says, His faithful love endures forever. That there is nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from that love of God. His his love is faithful. It's faithful. It's a promise. It's kept. God says, I am going to love you. I'm going to be there to love you. And the only way that you can get away from that love is for you to reject that love and not accept that love. But I'm there and the love is available for you. It's there for you to receive. If you'll be a recipient of it, it is there for you. It's faithful and it endures forever. It doesn't just stop in this lifetime or in this situation or if things are going really bad in your life. It doesn't stop. It doesn't end. It endures forever. And you know that you've heard probably children's songs made from this particular verse, right? His love endures forever, right? You've heard that song? Yeah. Lots of of, uh, songs come from this next verse, too. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. May the redeemed of the Lord say so. You ever heard that before? Has the Lord... I'm not going to sing that one. You can relax. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. You know what Christians should do? This is kind of crazy. They should tell other people about how God has saved them. That's crazy, right? That's crazy talk. That's what it says here, man. Let, let those who have been redeemed, let those who have been rescued, let those who have been bought with a price and, and they, they've, been, they've been saved from themselves and they've been transformed by the power of God, let them show other people. Let them say that. Let people see that in their lives. May they speak boldly about who you are. And that's, that's one act of praise and worship for us right there. Can you imagine that, that, that your conversation at work can be just as good as, as you coming in here and singing... These songs that we just sang, the name, the powerful name of Jesus that you know you can say that when you're sharing the gospel with your friends at work or school and telling them about how good God is, how God has saved you from this place to that place and how he's taken you from death to life and you used to live and think this way and now God has done this in your life and now you live and think a whole different way. What glorious praise and worship that is when we do that. Let the the redeemed of the world say so. Let them shout. Let them speak about the fact that they are redeemed now, that they are different now, that they've been rescued. This next verse, I like this one. This reminds me of Simple Church. It says this, it says, For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. The exiles. Does that feel like you sometimes? The outcasts, Right? The ones that maybe you didn't fit in at another church, maybe you didn't really blend real well, or or they looked at you a little differently. We've had some people that have told me that. I say, well, look, if you've been kicked out of your church, you come here. You come here. Uh, You know, if they didn't like you at your church because you did something wrong, and they said, you know what? you got to go somewhere because you can't stay here. I tell them, you come here. You come here. Let the outcasts come here. We'll be good with you here. You know, now, now obviously if you cause a ruckus and, and you, uh, you, you do something to disrupt the, uh, the spirit of this church and what's going on and what God's doing, then we're going to call you out on that, but you're still welcome to come, right? Because we're all outcasts and we're all in desperate need of the Word of God. We all need to hear the Word of God so that we can be redeemed. And I mean, like the, the worst of the worst, they need the Word of God, so bring them in here. Let the exiles come in here. Let them them be a part of what God is doing. We want to be a part of that. We we want to be an instrument of change by us listening to the word of God and allowing him to transform our lives. I've called us before. i I said we're the island of misfit toys because we're all the rejects, you know. All the ones that, that we don't fit in necessarily. Man, come in here. We don't care what you wear. We really don't. And we don't, we don't care about the fact that you have skeletons in your closet because we all got skeletons in our closet. And we're all struggling through them and trying to deal with them the best way we can. And so we're bringing them down to the altar and trying to let them die in our lives and trying to get past the stuff that we're struggling with day to day. We're all messed up and we're all struggling. So let's come in here and let's praise God together. Let's work through this thing together. We're the exiles. We're the outcasts. Let's come in here and let's... let's Allow ourselves to be transparent and say, you know what? We all need Christ. We all need a Redeemer, a Savior. We all need to be rescued. And here, this is what you see, man. All the exiles are coming together from north and south and east and west. He's gathered them together. He's gathered them together. Now, what we see here in the next few verses, is we see, see the psalmist talking about two things. So God has this cool way of, of talking about one thing and talking about another thing all at the same time. And that's what we see a lot of times in scripture. So he's, he's talking about people that have been exiled and the place that they were in and their hearts and lives at the same time. He's talking about all of us and the place that we're in and our hearts and lives a lot of times and how God rescues them from that. God, how it saves them from that place that they're in. And yeah, he's talking about captivity, but he's also talking about captivity in our own lives too. The things that hold us captive, too. So here, let's look at what the psalmist says. Beginning in verse 4, it says this. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So this could be some of us. You ever seen anybody that uh, because they've got a desperate need for God in their hearts, they try to fill that need, try to fill that void with other things, in particular things of this world, other gods. Could be drugs or alcohol. That's, that's one thing some people make a god in their life. What do I mean by making a God in your life? I mean that 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 takes the number one spot in your life, if you will. That becomes your God. Because God deserves the number one spot. The first thing that God says in his commandments is don't put anybody else before me. No other gods before me. I'm number one in your life. And some people put drugs or alcohol in that place and that becomes their God. So they're worshipping another God. Not the one true God. They're worshipping another God. Some people do that with sexual gratification in some way. They will make that their God. Men in particular happen to struggle with this more so than women do, taking something else and putting it in the place of God, and they worship that God and not the one true God. So they're hungry and thirsty in their soul, and they're like looking for something, right? You see them, man, some people, some people do it this way. I, 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 this just occurred to me, and I've seen some people do it this way. You ever seen somebody that jumps from job to job to job to job, and about every two weeks they got a new job? Like, they're just looking for something. And I'm not saying, that if that's you, that you necessarily are searching for God in that. But I will say this, the only place you will find satisfaction for your soul and for yourself is in Jesus Christ. And if you're thinking you're going to find it in a job, if that's your primary place to try to find your self-worth and you're going to miss it, oh, whoa, whoa. Some people are like, oh, you can't say that. Oh, yeah. I know, I know there's some people that are like, man, I just got to find the right job, the perfect job. Sometimes you just got to do a job. And, and then, and then you, you, you find that ministry that God's called you to, right? Because I'll tell you what, I got a job in Birmingham and Covington, Georgia. But I'll tell you what, that, that ain't who I am. That's what I do. What, who I am is in here. This, this is who I am. And this is where God has placed me and called me. And I'm serving him the best way I know how. Now, I got a job, and that's what I do. And I don't like it all the time. But I'll tell you this, when, I, when I'm in that break room... And people are asking me questions about God's Word. And I go, well, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. Right. Even though my job stinks, you know, six days out of five. Like, e- even though even though that's the case, you know, maybe, maybe this is where God's called me to be. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So find your satisfaction in Christ and not necessarily in what you're doing day to day. You can't necessarily fill that void with anything of this world, right? right. So maybe your calling is something greater than than just where you happen to be at work. Take advantage of that opportunity that God's given you while you're at work. But I'm saying, look beyond that, man. Find your satisfaction in who you are and what God has called you to be. So people, they, they, they hunger and they thirst, and, and they get, some people, they get to this rock-bottom place. I mean, like, they don't know what to do. Like, I've tried everything. I've tried to be filled up with everything in this world. I've tried the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the right job, the right partner, the blah, blah, blah. They tried all that, and they can't fill it up, and they're just empty. And they get to this lonely, desperate place where they're laying in the floor crying out. And what do they say? If they cry out to God, he said, my love is faithful. My love endures and I am right here. If you'll cry out to me, I will yeah. give you some good food. Yeah. I will give you something good to drink so you'll stop drinking from all that other garbage. You'll stop eating it out of the trash can and you'll come to me and you'll have good food. Yeah. That you, you, the hunger that you feel in your soul will be filled up by something good now. And you will only find that in the Lord. And they, the psalmist says they cried out, Lord, help. What a beautiful sinner's prayer right there. What a beautiful, Lord help. Oh, that, that you know, everybody's like, well, you got to pray a certain prayer. you got to say certain words, and then God will save you. No, 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 no. It's the condition of your heart. We, we, one of the young men that we just baptized, Caleb, man, I got kind of choked up because he was so anxious to go under that water. Did you see that? Like like I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? He's like, yeah, hmm I was like, <laughs> he wouldn't even let me finish. I was like, okay, well, you're baptized, you know, but... Like it's just—he actually came up to my wife and said this. He said, "He said, please, ma'am, I need to be saved." I was like, "There ain't no other. There ain't no other words you need to say." The the beautiful part of that is there wasn't no prayer that he needed to say. The fact that his his heart was in that condition—that it was the overflow of his of his heart that came out of his mouth. Please, I just need to be saved. That by the time you utter those words, you're already saved. By the time that those words are the overflow of your mouth, you've already got a seeking heart for God. And God says, I'm right there. My faithful love endures forever. And you don't have to search anymore. You're saved at that moment. Salvation has come to your step that day. And you don't have to search anymore. It's right there and available. So why don't we not sing praises? Why don't we not sing praises for that? It says, Let them praise the Lord for His great love and the wonderful things He has done for them. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good food. So we see these people wandering around and and they're looking for something to satisfy them. And here in verse 10 we see another type of person, another type of wandering person that's looking. And this is what it says. Now this appeals specifically to me so this passage was for me i don't know it's for any of you but i know for sure that this particular set of verses was for me some sat in darkness and deep gloom imprisoned in iron chains of misery they rebelled against the words of god the scorning the scorning the counsel of the most high that is why he broke them with hard labor they fell and no one was there to help them lord help they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. So you see some people, they sink into this deep place of darkness and sadness and gloom. They are bound by their misery. Okay? You've seen these people. You know, some of them some of them do it outwardly. Some of them dress different just because they want to isolate themselves from the rest of the world. They, they, they surround themselves with people that are dark and doing dark things. They listen to a certain type of music. Anything they can do to try to surround themselves with darkness, they do it intentionally and they do it specifically for the purpose of isolating themselves. So they can look around and say, see, God doesn't love me. And they're constantly rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. The, the, the counsel of God's words, the, the, the ministry of God's words to their soul, they're rejecting that. So there are people that are actively doing that. Then there are some people that are just consumed by this misery, this sadness, this dark gloom that hovers over them. It's like a dark cloud that, that covers them. This is more the place that, that, that I've been in. The place where I go, I'm in a dungeon. I'm imprisoned. And a dungeon's a place where very little or no light gets in. And you just feel like you're you're there in that dark place and that there's no way out. That the door is bolted shut and there's no way for you to escape the pain, the suffering, the awfulness that you feel. And you continue to sink deeper and lower into the darkness and the gloom and the misery. You continue to seep down and down and down. And you get to this desperate place where you recognize... That the only place that you can look, the only place that you can get out of the darkness is to come into the light. And the Lord God Almighty is there, and His love is faithful, and it endures forever, and He is light. And when light enters, darkness cannot exist. The the darkness flees from the light. If we were to cut all the lights out in here, and it was completely dark, and I were to light a candle, you'd be able to see that candle from miles away. Because you cannot escape that light, even in the darkness, that that, that light washes out the darkness. And when God comes in, what happens is that darkness, that misery, that gloom, it begins to be pushed to the sides. And all of a sudden, what is left is this light. And that light, not only it begins to shine in your life, but people begin to see that light shining through your life. And they want a part of that light. And it begins to become contagious. In that place of darkness that you were in, that place of sadness that you were in, all of a sudden, it's replaced. You look around and you look back at your life and go, man, how was I ever in that place? God is so good that when I was in that desperate place of sadness and I cried out to God, He was there. His faithful love was there and it endures forever. God was there and He brought light into the darkness. And he changed me forever. When that happens, why do we not sing praises to the Lord? Why don't we not cry out to the the Lord and and talk about how good he is? Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze and he cut apart their bars of iron. God has set them free from that place. They can always choose to go back into the prison if they so choose. But God has set them free. The door is wide open. The light is there. God has set them free. So they sing praises to Him for what He has done. And then there are some that have chosen to rebel against God and to go completely in the opposite direction of God and choose their sin over God. And because of that, they are foolish to do so. It says in verse 17, it says this, Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food. And they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help! Help! They cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. So these are people that, that, you know, God gave us his commands and his directions so that, that we would have life and have it more abundantly. That if we would trust in his way, knowing that his way is the better way and his way is the one that leads to life, And we reject sin that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Well, there are some people that say, enough with God's way. I'm, I'm going to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. I'm going to choose my own way. I'm going to choose to go a different way. Because I don't believe that God has the right way and the right plan for me. So they choose their sin. They choose sin over God. So what happens as a result? They end up struggling. They end up suffering. They end up hurting. And they wonder, how has this happened? Why has this happened? It's because sin has caused devastation in their life. Sin leads to death. Only God leads to life. So they've chosen sin over God. And because of that, they feel crushed. Their sin has them in bondage now. They're now slaves not to Christ, but slaves to sin. Because they have chosen sin. It says that they're foolish. They're foolish for having done this. The fools choose the way of sin as opposed to the way of God. And then finally, after their sin is crushing them, after their sin is defeating them, and they're on the very brink of death, the result of their sin, they've they've committed so many sins that now they're on the place of the, like they feel like they're going to die or they are on the brink of death. Either one is true, and, and, and here you find them in this desperate place. God, I've done all these things to rebel against you. And what do they do? They cry out to the Lord. And what happens? He's there. He's just like he always is. His faithful love endures forever. And he's there. Even though they've done this to themselves, and even though they've chosen sin as opposed to choosing God, even though it's their choice and they chose to go against God, when they cry out to God, he's there to answer them. And when that happens, why don't we not praise God? Why don't we not sing, worship God because of what he has done? Let them praise the Lord for His great love and the wonderful things He has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about His glorious acts. The fact that God saw them in the, in the awful place that they're in, that, that when they were yet sinners, Christ died. At that perfect time, when they were at their lowest of their low, that's when Christ died for them. Just like the ones that pulled the beard from His face or put the crown of thorns on His head or, or, or pulled the flesh from His back when they whipped Him. And he looked at them and said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he poured out his mercy and his gra- grace and his love on them. Just like he does for us. Even though they've chosen to do this and they've chosen to do it through me, me, through their sin. I'm still there if they'll just cry out to me. They don't have to make a big elaborate prayer. If they'll just cry out, Lord, help. I will be there because my faithful love endures forever. Why do we not cry out praises to him for that? The next is we see another type of person. Some went off to sea in ships, applying for the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest sea. Some, he spoke and the winds rose and stirring the waves. Their ships were tossed to heavens and plunged again to depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and they were at, wit's, at their wits' end. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing uh, was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. So these are people that are just going about their own thing. they are just taking their ships out to sea. They're living their lives in this world and they're continuing on to do their thing. Maybe they're just going to school every day because their mom and daddy tells them they have to. Or maybe they're going to work every day just because, you know, I'm supposed to provide for my family. with giving no thought to the things of God. No giving recognition to who God is and what he's done. And the fact that every single time the sun rises and sets is because God allowed it to. Every time that they breathe in and they breathe out, that they have breath in their lungs, it's because God has allowed them to do so. So they're continuing about their day with no thought of the things of God. They're continuing to just do their work and do their duty and not really ever think about God. And then what happens? A storm comes. All of a sudden, a storm whips up and the waves begin to crash and the winds begin to calm and the storm surrounding them and they find themselves in a place of distress, right? Now here, you can see in the Babylonian exile, that's exactly... The place that they're in. That God allowed this to happen. You know that God will allow things to happen in our lives. He'll allow the storm to come. He'll allow the waves to kick up and the, the rain to come and the winds to start stirring up. You know that God will allow that to happen. Why? Why would God allow that? He's a good God. Why would He allow that? Because your, your, your most desperate need is for Him. It, your most desperate need is, is, is for, for a Redeemer, a Savior. Your, your most desperate need is for the Lord. And, and God allows these things to come into your life sometimes so that you recognize that. So that you get to this place of despair and the waves are crashing all around you and the wind's coming and the rain's pouring down and you don't know what to do. And all you can do is cry out to God, Lord, help! And that's exactly what God's doing. Say now, now you see exactly where the place I was trying to allow you to get to. So that you would cry out to me for help. And you'd stop going to empty wells and looking for every other thing in the world to help you. Now you come to me. And they cried out for help in the midst of the rain and the storms and the waves. Now, notice it says that he calms the waves and the storms. Does that mean that if you got cancer and you cry out to God, Lord, help, that all of a sudden you won't have cancer anymore? That's not what that means. Does that mean if you've got a wayward child and a child that has gone away from God, has no interest in God, has thrown their Bible in the trash and gone to live somewhere else, that, that all of a sudden that you cry out to the Lord, Lord, help, that all of a sudden that kid will come back to you and, and they'll go to church with you and pick up their Bible again and, and all that kind of stuff? No, that's not what that means. What happens here? God gives peace, right? Isn't that, isn't that really the picture? It's peace. God speaks to your heart, speaks to, speaks to the place that you're in, and he says, be still, be calm. I'm God, and I'm in control. And God speaks peace into our lives when we cry out for help. Lord, help, and God speaks peace into our lives, and that's what happens. That's what happens. Why do we not cry out praises and tell everybody about the goodness and faithfulness of God's love when He does this in our lives, when He speaks peace into our lives, when the world feels like it's crashing down around us and we feel like we've got nowhere else to run and we cry out to God and God settles our hearts and He gives us peace like nothing in this world can, why do we not sing praises about God's goodness when He does that? The next few verses. Let's go back and read what they do. It says, Let them praise The Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt exalt him publicly. Exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. So he says, not just privately, but publicly let them exalt the Lord and his goodness. That means you got to talk about him, right? Talk about how he calmed the storms in your life. Talk about what God did, the peace that he brought into your life. Talk about them publicly. And the next few verses goes on to talk about... God's control of everything, okay? And I'm just going to summarize this for a little bit, and then we'll close. And it, it, it goes like this, beginning in verse 33, it says, He changes the rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful, fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness for those who live there. But he also turns desert into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle, where, settle there and build their cities, they sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise their families there, and their herds of livestock increase. They, when they increase in number and become impoverished though, through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causes them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. So here we're just talking about the things, whether it's good things that are happening or bad things that's happening, what he's showing us is that God is in control of those things. Whether whether it's it's the fact that the land is fertile and they're able to multiply and they've got tons of livestock and all of those things, God's good. Whether it's a situation where famine has swept the land so the princes of the, the land can be crushed so that they can see that the Lord God is the one in control, God is still good. The fact that God is in control of every single one of these situations, whether He gives you land or takes you away from your homeland, whatever the case is, God is still at work and God is still good. And He's worthy of our praise. No matter how we see it, if we see it as good or we see it as bad, God is still worthy of our praise. He says, the godly, listen to this, the godly, in verse 42, will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. So those that aren't foolish, those that are godly, they see things differently than those that are not. Those that are foolish will not see it the way that people that are godly will. So they'll see this they'll say, man, God is at work. Even though the river has dried up, even though there's no food, even though there's bad things happening all around us, God's still good and His faithful love endures forever because I know that when I cry out to Him, He hears me. And He has given me exactly what I need. And He has given me food, good food for my soul. And He has given me water that quenches my thirst. And even when everything else looks so bad, God is still good. And the godly will see this. And the godly will praise Him for His goodness. Those that are wicked, it says, are struck silent. They don't praise. They don't worship. They just sit there silently. He goes on to say this, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Man, it's such a beautiful picture, isn't it? That we will look back at the history of the nation of Israel and we will look and say, man, look at all the things God was doing and how it led up to the fact that that they needed a Messiah, they needed a Savior, they needed a Redeemer, and God was showing them that all along, even in times when they were in exile, that God was showing them that. Well, what about in the history of your life? Will you look back at your life and say, you know what, God was setting all of this up in such and such a way because He is so good and His faithful love endures forever, because he, he loves us so desperately that all these things were actually adding up to something so good, He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. It says the wise, the wise will be able to see this. The godly will be able to see this. The godly will be able to look back at their history and understand that God was at work in every single situation. So what about you and the place that you're in? What about, what about your life? Are there storms brewing in your life? Is there bad stuff that's happening all around you? Will you praise Him? Are you kind of indifferent to Him because you're just going about your daily life and you're just wandering about and, and you know that God could send a storm at any time for the the purposes of rescuing you back to him to bring you out of exile, the place that you're in, and bringing you into a a close deep connected relationship with him. will you praise him? What about the places where you've searched everything else in the world to try to find something else to fill that void that's in your life? and you got into rock bottom and you've seen that nothing in this world will ever do that. Will you praise him? Will you praise him? It's so nice to be in a place like this where we can Raise our hands and worship. I know I've had people tell me, man, I've never raised my hands in worship before. I feel like I can in here. I say sometimes I even feel like an outcast if I don't. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, that's good, man. Because this just means we surrender. Isn't that the picture of surrender right there? It just means I surrender. That's all it means. Will you surrender to Him today? Will you just praise Him, lift your hands, worship, and surrender to Him? He's good. He is good. You know why He's good? Because His faithful love endures forever. No matter what you've done to the place you're in, whether you've caused it, whether, whether you've rebelled against Him through your sin or not, He's still right there for you to cry out to Him. Will you come and offer Him a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving at this altar? Some people need to come and they just need to say thank you for what God has done and the fact that you, God has rescued you from the place that you were in to the place that you're in now. He has taken you from death to life and you are a new creation in Christ and you just need to offer a sacrifice of, of thanksgiving right now. Or maybe, maybe you've never really given your life to Him. And maybe sin is number one in your life. Or maybe something else has got a prominent place in your life. And you need to give your life to Him. You need to say, God, I've sinned against you. Lord, help. Lord, help. And you just need to cry out that simple prayer to Him today. You know what? If you do, He's there to rescue you. You know why? Because His faithful love endures forever. Will you come to Him today? Will you be obedient to Him? Will you accept that love that He's offering to you? That faithful love, will you accept it today or will you reject it today? It's your choice. God gives you that choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your precious Word. How you speak truth into our lives and, God, how you change us, God, through your Word. And, and Lord, I just thank you for this reminder today. God, your faithful love endures forever. What a beautiful picture. Because of that, because of that alone, Lord, we have reason to praise you. Some of the situations in our lives are ones that we've caused ourselves. We, we've rebelled against you and we've chosen our sinful ways over you. And because of that, God, we find ourselves in place of desperate need. Or sometimes we just seek everything else in the world to fill the void that only you can fill. And, Lord, we, we move around looking, wandering aimlessly, God, trying to find something that will fill that void. And sometimes we ignore, God, the reality, of the fact that you're at work every single day. And, God, that you're, you're there making the sun rise and fall every single day. God, you're the one that puts breath in our lungs. And, Lord, we have no, we've, we've been in a place where we did not acknowledge you. Thank you for being there. And we finally recognize that, God, you're the one that's in control. You're the one that gives us breath and puts breath in our lungs. And you're the one that, that does everything around us, God. And we can only trust and believe in you. So, Lord, right now, God, as we respond to you, there may be somebody here that doesn't know you and they want to give their lives to you. I pray that they would be obedient to that today. I pray that they would respond to you. They would surrender everything to you and they put you as number one in their life. They would simply cry out to you, Lord, help. Then there are some people here today, Lord, and they just need to offer you a a sacrifice of thanksgiving and of praise. I pray that we would do that. Maybe they need to do that at this altar. Maybe they need to do that at their seats as they worship you. God, whatever the case, I pray that we would respond to you and to you alone. We wouldn't worry about anybody else or anything else. We'd only worry about you. God, so help us keep our eyes fixed on you right now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone stand?